Three, two, one, attack the attack your hands. <laughs> attack your hands. <laughs> Three, two, one, attack your hands. <laughs> oh no, those hands. Everyone attack your hands. <laughs> I, I, I do think I think that's sort of a fun way to tell people to clap at say an improv show where right, everyone attacks just a little hands. bit of rudeness and a little bit of fun and just a little we do things a little differently here. Uh, everyone everyone attack those hands. Oof. We do things a little differently here. <laughs> I really wish that you'd stop saying that. That's very uh, no man, my tummy's full of juice and I'm ready for podcast. <laughs> Used to be four ordinary everybody welcome back to episode 37 of saturday morning tuesdays it's that animated podcast about real cartoons i'm andy i'm austin and hello there my name is rory and i'm a polite boy today he's very best polite. behavior because i was chastised because i was told i was too rude too naughty too <laughs> naughty yesterday you've steamed <laughs> his ribbons they're ironed and, fre- and pressed fresh he looks very good and, and polite <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, I'd like to I'd like to dedicate this episode to, you know, to my two best friends. You oh, know? Right. Well, so you don't have to rub anything in about it. It's, like we get it. We're... It's my best friends Ben and Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> because I got some sick ice cream. It's an ice cream podcast I... now. Oh, I'm dribbling oh. it all over myself. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, I've got so those good. dairy problems. <laughs> oh, I'm just gonna pour a pour a root beer float here real quick. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, oh, oh. What a Ooh, I'm gonna pour that float. Doing. I'm pouring out some root beer onto this float because mm. I'm gonna make some ice cream. I'm gonna make some ice cream swim for its supper. <laughs> swim for me. I'm, I'm just that non-dairy cherry that's right on top. Let <laughs> me see if we can get some good pouring, some good pouring sounds here. Austin, <laughs> are there dairy cherries? I'm just like... that non-dairy cherry. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. Great. Hey, you know what? I'd actually really like to dedicate this episode to all those people who, uh, years from now, freshly subscribed to our podcast and decided they wanted to listen to our backlog. That's incredibly ambitious. I'd like to dedicate (laughs) this to to you guys having to sit through this terrible content about ice creams and cherries. Down the road, and we're incredibly famous, and anybody (laughs) hearing this right now is just boy, what what a what a culture leader. Yeah. What a trendsetter. Wow, they thought so far ahead. They were doing non-dairy cherry jokes before they became cool in 2020. Also, right now, you know so much about Digimon. And I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. In a, like a short amount of time, you really just like, you blasted that. Uh, wow. Well, I mean, thank wow you. Wow is right. In, um, the words of, in the words of the President Pope, wow. <laughs> it's 10 years in the future and Owen Wilson's President Pope. <laughs> President He's Master General. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm laughing, but that's true. Those are true stories that you just that you just told us all. So I've got a very earnest question for both of you. Uh, this is a very important question. Are we? Uh, so we. I knew a guy. In, I knew a guy in elementary school named Ernest. Question. <laughs> 
I've got I've got this very serious question though. Uh, we took about a month off. Are we bad at podcast now? I don't know. Let me ask Ben and Jerry. <laughs> no. Have we taken too much time and now we're bad at podcast? And now we're. <laughs> it's possible. We're too goofy now. We're three little we three little lambs tickling each other in the prairie. We had too much naps and we're now our our muscles are atrophied and we're weak and and infirm. No, I think this is the juice. This is the real juice. We're letting ourselves like settle into the juice. I said juice four times just now, and I'll say yeah, it again. You said juice. Settle into it. You gotta settle uh, it. You gotta just. Uh, so why don't why don't I why don't I get us on task? We watched our normal slate of episodes last week. We did a whole power hour for Sailor Moon because we were trying yeah. to get it caught up. <laughs> but... What can be what can be uh, you know tacitly described as normal, seeing as how long it's been since we've actually done an episode like this. Right. Yeah, it's been <laughs> it's been since July yeah. since you guys have heard anything about Cyber Six. But hey, what? Hey, guess what? I missed the guess in the middle of that phrase. Uh, we're watching Cyber Six, Moon Mesa, and Sailor Moon, all three of them, but not in that order. I think we decided that the next thing we're going to talk about is the Wild West Cowboys of Moon Mesa. Hey everybody! Uh, our ice cream is starting to melt a little bit because we haven't eaten it because we somebody said it was poison. Uh, so we're just looking at that. <laughs> oh no! At that. No one told me. <laughs> we're looking at that ice cream and we're carefully avoiding it and all the soda no. that Rory poured on it and the little cherry on top. That's me. Um, and uh, I, like I, I, I think first... you were the poison. Yeah, the three that's... of us together, like the, by ourselves, you know, root beer, or vanilla, scoop of that vanilla and a cherry are kind of like whatever, right? <laughs> <laughs> the three of us together, you know what that that's one of those that's one of those good floats, dude. It's good it's good, my friends. And you know what else is, is three good friends? What? Is the three Wild West Cowboys of Mumesa, those three. Oh good transition. Yeah, those three friends, just like us, uh had some wild <laughs> adventures today out in the West, didn't they? Yeah, what was the episode sure called? Did. Uh we watched episode ten, Stolen on the River. Mm. And let's do a summary. Stolen, stolen, stolen on a river. In an attempt to get his own deputy star, (laughs) Cal Dorado goes undercover as Johnny Slim to catch five-card Cud all by himself. Cud and his henchmen, Shortchange, take control of the (laughs) Dixie Trixie riverboat while in collaboration with the Dixie Trixie's captain. Uh, Shortchange is a really good minion name. It is. That's a fun little weasel. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's a weasel that talks like Gopher from Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, he's got that whistly he, whistle tongue. The whistle S. <laughs> hey, can you do you have like a whistle tongue you could do for this voice? I'm <laughs> sorry, what? You got like a whistle tongue? <laughs> you know what I mean? A whistle tongue. <laughs> uh this is a fun one because it it does another one of those sort of uh classic cowboy tropes, which is the riverboat gambling situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me think of that old movie Maverick, if you've ever seen that, because I really like that movie. I have not. But it is riverboat gambling shenanigans. Uh, and we introduce a new villain in this one, who is delicious. Mm Mm-hmm, he's the stinky dice man. That's one of those poor little armadillos he's robbed of their family heirlooms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God. This is a fun one for several reasons. Uh, <laughs> Rory, I know that you hate me talking about voice actors, but I got to talk about Jeff Bennett in this episode. Yes, please. 
because we uh, have to. Jeff Bennett is kind of the star of this episode. He is the voice of Colorado and many others. Uh, he does one of the armadillos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he does. Does he do cud as well? Um, he might. I couldn't tell. And I didn't look it up. But cud being he, the bad guy. Yeah, but he's doing a bunch and he's also doing a bunch of voices in this episode that would later be super iconic voices in other shows. Yeah. Uh, Such as? Uh, yeah, Most so notably, he, uh, Colorado Kid is uh, he, he he takes on a, a fake identity like Austin read in the in the summary. He takes on the identity Johnny of Johnny Slim. Slim, but it's a different Johnny that he sounds like Johnny Bravo, who he 100% is 100 percent Johnny oh, Bravo. Oh, that was so way too much of an arcane setup for me to understand what you <laughs> what you were setting up. Rory, yeah, so you got to get on my level. His Johnny Bravo voice like five years before <laughs> Johnny Bravo would be a thing. I mean, it's Elvis. It's an Elvis voice, basically, but yeah, kind of. But it's so it's so specific. Like he makes it, he does exactly Johnny Bravo with maybe yeah. a few few fewer like huh! kind of sounds, but um, yeah. But it's so good and it's very recognizable. And I was so yeah, happy his, when it came out. His like fancy armadillo character also is literally Cave Guy from Freakazoid. Uh huh. Because <laughs> that's another it's... one he plays too. So at the beginning of this episode. Uh, you know what so the other thing that i really like about this one is that it sets up it's like cleaner than any of the other episodes of this show that we've watched in a lot of ways like storytelling wise because it actually like has a clear central conflict and the action doesn't go nuts and out of control there weren't boring sections and it introduced a new villain that was fun like it was just a really tight sure yeah we didn't get 10 minutes of cowboy nonsense to kind of pad time also, uh, the C time. plot, the C plot, like, actually like a like in. a Holly, like a Hollywood Thai <laughs> restaurant, you get pad time. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? We are bad at podcasts. <laughs> uh, the thing that I liked about it, though, that I was going to say is that um, at the beginning, uh, Colorado Kid is really freaking out because he's uh, getting real uppity about he isn't how he isn't officially a deputy yet. Uh, and these armadillo characters that Austin was describing, we come across them. They're in a jam. They're, uh, I guess they're like tied to wagon wheels and hanging from a tree. Yeah. It's a very specific kind of, yeah, you know, left does, out to it dry. It does set up a very Rube Goldberg-y sort of thing. Colorado tries to save them, trying to like show off and be like, I'm ready to be a deputy, but he fucks it up. And then, uh. Uh, it turns out these armadillos had been previously fleeced by some evil bad guy named uh, Five Card Cud, and they, he stole all of their shit, uh, including the lady's uh, wedding ring. Is it her wedding ring? I don't know. It's her, know. It's an, it's it's her an armadillo ring. ring, which I find very upsetting. It would be like if we wore human jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, because we like, see it later in the episode, and it's just an armadillo on a ring. Right, uh, but they say it's a diamond ring. Um, well, it, but yeah, it's the, the woman, it's the, the lady armadillo's mom's one ring, of those and she's, chocolate diamonds. She's like super, <laughs> she's super attached to it. She cares a lot about it. It's like a family heirloom. Um, so the cowboys agree to tell these fancy dillos that they'll go and <laughs> they'll go and help. They'll give it the old cowledge try yeah. to go, mm-hmm. uh, rescue, you know, the ring, get the ring back from five card cud and, as a reward, they give him uh, two tickets for this riverboat experience, this like riverboat cruise. Uh, the that Dixie I guess Trixie. Yeah, the Dixie Trixie, which I guess they weren't stolen. 
because uh, they were probably being kept. In well, a, the, the cut the already area. had tickets, so I don't know why he would need their tickets. But it also <laughs> yeah, then they're... doesn't explain why he was there. Like if he had stolen their tickets, they would know where he's going to be, and that would right, make sense. Right. And so instead, we take a pretty weird leap of logic where he happens to be on this riverboat experience, which is the same riverboat experience that they didn't go on because they gave their ticket you know, I don't know. it doesn't really yeah they could have tied really it up. together instead it was tied together by coincidence instead of just yeah. the logical through line of of well you know what they plot. say is that that coincidence is story good <laughs> that's true Better. uh it also does set up this like raffle b plot c plot it's super <laughs> tiny it's so it's kind of a solid tiny c plot very although it does end up Tying up very in a very satisfying way. That's true. Uh, that is true. So it does they pay give off. The, he gives the the tickets to Miss Lily, and Miss Lily decides to gussy up her her bar and set up for some big raffle because uh, she she decides to take a gift and uh, profit from it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so she's raffling off the tickets to the Dixie Trixie, and so everyone is showing up. And over the course of the episode, uh, we see Sheriff Terrible. Uh, try and cheat at the raffle yeah he's like ballot stuffing to try to get get his way to get those free cruise ship cruise ship tickets yeah he's a criminal uh, but he likes cruises yeah who doesn't like a good cruise you idiot <laughs> um also cody is reading a, a book he's reading buck finn and uh explaining a riverboat experience but it leaves out some characters i think yeah <laughs> there may be some other characters true. in the huckleberry I think the timeline Finn. of this book also doesn't quite make sense not quite yeah but no. this is buck Finn. this is the less controversial uh, <laughs> <laughs> just no, kind of all I, I meant because i had actually expected to meet the character buck Finn, and then and then when we find out it's a book that could have been a funny joke if it was played differently right right oh sure but timeline wise i didn't expect him to be reading uh, I don't know, some sort of cow-based pun on Mark Twain. Well, sure, because Mark Twain would have been, you know, somewhat contemporaneous with this all whole theme. Right. Um, I don't know if there's like a Mark Twain name that could be a cow pun, but I'm sure that if there was, they well, would have found it. Well, it could be it. a dog named Bark Twain. Go <laughs> home. Uh, anyway, so that's the little C-plot that's going on, and Cody decides that he has had enough of cleaning up this bar, and he's going to go live like Buck Finn out on the river. Uh, but the other big thing that happens is that the, like, Jackrabbit telegram office guy shows up with a telegram for Moo uh, because the that same riverboat that Dixie Trixie has sent out, a, like, a, a help, like, SOS thing because uh, Five Card Cud has gotten on board and is fucking shit up. Um, and so he's supposed to like tell Moo about it, but instead he gives the telegram to Colorado kid who decides this is his fucking <laughs> opportunity to prove himself and goes off after five card cud alone. Hence yeah, the plot of the literally episode. Just getting a, a verbal spanking for doing, you know, for trying to go off on his own and do his own thing. And he's like, no, this is the time when it's going to work. <laughs> he's got that unearned confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's cocksure. Mm-hmm. Very sure of his cock. <laughs> I know it's there. Got the yeah. confidence of a man with a it's rock. Definitely gun. there. I check often. 
Yeah, so he goes out and tries to get on that riverboat with a mustache. Um, we should talk about Five Card Cud, this new this new villain, because I have a lot of feelings on his whole design. He's very funny, and we see him drinking and smoking at the same time in a in a very in a very nice little uh, animation. And that's kind of unique for the '90s too, right? I mean, like we're so gun shy about showing guns, and we have to have them shoot like like his gun shoots dice. For God's yeah, sake, dice and poker chips, and like we're we're gun shy about guns, but we let him smoke a giant stogie and drink. Like, yeah, it's and it's they didn't a need odd. some sort of qualifier. I mean, I think I at think some point they call it a sarsaparilla. It's sort of like the it's sort of like how Missouri places a sarsaparilla bar, where it's it's sort of like the the film version of paper bag laws. Like as long as there's some some possibility that it's not you alcohol, you can get away with it. It's yeah. not like we had a, a, a Silverhawks no alcohol sign. <laughs> oh, God. God. Which I, I think is still the best that. thing that ever happened on that show. So no good. alcohol saloon. <laughs> this here is a sober saloon. So Five Card Cut is great. He's like a big purple bull with a mustache and like a salmon colored pimp hat. And <laughs> <laughs> like his bolo tie is an ace of diamonds. His belt buckles an ace of spades. His like shirt cuffs have clubs on them, and so does like and the pearl aura. inlay on his revolver handle. But Cud, we can't forget the most important part of Five Car Cud is is this aura of uh, a, st- a stank aroma. Oh, his he's pig got, pen stees. He's got this pig pen fly halo of, <laughs> of constant bugs because he just <laughs> smells bad. I I wish they did more about him smelling bad. Me they, too. They don't. There's like one moment of it i think but otherwise it's just the flies happening and nobody like walks into a room and just like passes out or anything you know like uh, i give you that but the flip side is that being stinky is not a great joke for a visual medium i mean they do it in every frame i mean the flies are there <laughs> well that's what i'm saying so so animating him stinky is funny uh, doing jokes of like addressing the scent is less has less payoff because nobody can smell what he's what he smells like that's fair. Yeah. I mean, the viewer, the viewer can't engage as much. They do do one joke. I said do do. They have one joke uh, when when Colorado's at the poker table and he smells the the cigar and the the odors coming off of five card cut and he's like, "That's some toilet water you got on," and he goes, "I ain't wearing any." That's where you put. That's where you put poop. <laughs> <laughs> that's what poop swims in. That's poop's house. <laughs> Toilet water's poop house. <laughs> poop house. <laughs> yeah, you want to go over and swim my poop house? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, Jesus. Okay, there's, there, so there's some back and forth in this episode. There's some poker games where uh, Colorado uh, really fails at keeping a consistent cover. And he kind of right. lets some stupid shit slip, uh, you know, the sort of classic undercover scenario where Five Card Cud essentially asks him about a thing that is more like a test to see if he's really who he says he is. And Colorado yeah, blatantly but I fails. I really love the reversal here because remember, Colorado Kid is bad at being uh, being a deputy. Yes. And so we're in almost every sort of like James Bond type moment, the the man in his in his infinite man wisdom, you know, calls that calls that that check on his man card like, oh, that guy's been dead for three years. You know, right. 
and and, and then, this one and then Colorado kid doesn't like, oh, get yeah. it at all, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I was hanging with him yesterday. It was super dope. We're best friends, and we're great." Yeah, and, and then you life. find out later, you hear uh, Cud talking to his folks, uh, talking to Small Change and a low effort Irish accent captain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that like, oh no, he's totally like a lawman. He's totally <laughs> like he's you know he failed the thing. He's bad at lying and like. It's obvious, so I'll just kind of lead him into a trap. I wish it would have been so funny if he'd just been like, if you're a cop, you have to tell me. And Colorado kid <laughs> oh, really? Oh, oh shit. Dang, well, yeah. shoot. Yeah. Darn it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a cop. <laughs> uh, Cody's also on the boat. Uh, yeah, Cody, yeah, they find Cody. He did the river raft, and then he screwed up and got caught on a, on a beaver or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know you get caught on beavers sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he hooked an otter and, and got him to the, the paddle and he got on board and as a stowaway, etc. It's kind of boring. Yeah, Cody's but, plot is kind of, you take it or leave it. Um, but he's around and he's the one who, I mean, it's weird because they have a whole scene of him overhearing the, the bad guys talk about how they know that Colorado's a lawman. But Cody knowing that does not change the plot one bit. He that's a good like, point. He doesn't get to tell anyone the information that he learns. He just gets caught immediately afterwards, and then we don't care about what happens to him. Right. Uh, so it seemed like a, a strange justification for including Cody in this episode at all. Um, but they do catch, they do, they do confront Colorado, uh, who, you know, who gets them to, to show them that they have that uh, armadillo ring. And he oh, jumps sorry, up I and he's like... I was, I, was, uh, I was waiting for, for a breath. Uh, I oh, think it oh, speaks I'm sorry. to the, the, the inclusion of... The like sort of like ham-fisted inclusion of Cody, I think, speaks to the studio's belief at the time. You know that mo- that shows really needed a child insert for for kids to I don't know get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they he's not he's not that compelling of a child insert. No, I'll he's tell not you a that good much. character, and he's not interested. And they don't, and they and they know it, and they just kind of throw him in anyways. In the one Cody episode we had, usually his kid friends are much more interesting. Yeah, or like, the, where's Tewa? Where's Tewa? Where's my girl Tewa? <laughs> Tewa and JR. Or the little boy back. who doesn't want, who's afraid of ghosts eating him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, Cody, get a stupid fear. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they Colorado gets them to show him that they have the uh the armadillo ring and he jumps up and is like you're under arrest and they're like <laughs> we have guns and he goes oh, oh shoot damn it <laughs> Even yeah though i thought he carries a gun but i guess in this one he only brought his lasso yeah yeah i think they were checking him when he came on oh that's right you're right you called that right uh, right but then uh the uh the rabbit man the telegram rabbit man uh finds <laughs> Uh, finds our other two finds Dak and uh, and Dak Montana. Prescott. Yeah, finds Dakota and, <laughs> and Montana. Uh, and they and get over and... to the riverboat. <laughs> and uh, let's see. Yeah, and then they try to save the day too. Yeah, I mean that's the only sort of like cowboy nonsense chunk that we get. Uh, as soon as the other, you know, the marshals show up, uh, it's just a big fight, big brawl. Uh, but it does end in the most spectacular bullshit that the, like one of the most bullshit things this show has ever thrown us um dakota has like a series of wheeled carts like 
I, I don't even know where oh. he gets them. Well, but he's got so, these so cards. So the riverboat, the riverboat is sinking because uh, five card cud shoots his own cannon on. There's a cannon on the riverboat, and then he turns <laughs> it into the deck and fires it into the deck of the riverboat, and, and it starts to sink. Mm-hmm. And and so de- so this boat is sinking, and yeah, Moo is trying Montana's to pilot like it, spinning the wheel of the boat, and it's not really doing anything. And he's just trying to do the best he can, but it's it's not helping. And then fucking Dakota dude has these carts that he like a long line of them that he pushes into the river and Moo somehow drives the sinking boat so that they land neatly on the carts. And then Dakota by himself pulls the carts back out with the boat on top and the boat just comes nicely out of the water. Like he pulls a giant river boat all by his lonesome. All into dry dock, yeah, basically by himself. This is the second or third time we've seen him do like superhuman feats of strength that are pretty unexplained. (laughs) Yeah, he's the Incredible (laughs) Hulk. It is, it is, I don't know, like it, it doesn't break it for me. Like, I'm not like upset about it. It is still very funny, but it comes to real close. It's it's, it's on brand for the show, and luckily, he's the only one doing it, so that that uh lends a little bit of credibility, but it was it is odd that they act like it's normal that he can do these things it's, yeah it's, he wasn't even nobody's ever sweat. impressed there's no there's no character who's like oh my god i can you know i think <laughs> it would land more if even one person was like holy crap how'd you do that and he just got to exactly. respond with like uh, well well yep. i'm strong i, I drink my you ovaltine <laughs> yeah like we if we gave him a chance to comment on the ridiculousness but no it's just taken as as like that's understood that he is hulk yeah, yeah, and then nobody gives a shit. No, you know what actually <laughs> did break my immersion in this episode was somebody being shot and holding up a life preserver, and that the the life preserver deflects all the bullets. <laughs> Those well, the bullets are poker chips, so <laughs> yeah, that's the that's true. It was poker chips and dice, so yeah, touche, <laughs> yeah. fucker. No, you're right. Those aren't fully <laughs> ballistic. <laughs> Anyway, so the end of the episode, the bad guys go to jail. Uh, Miss Lily forgives Cody, who's very apologetic. The ring goes back to the bougie armadillos who sound like they're from the Hamptons. And uh, Colorado admits that he does need more experience. Right. And then my favorite B-plot payoff here is seeing Sheriff Terrible going, Oh, I won. I won the tickets. (laughs) And then they turn around and oh, uh... Yeah, so about that riverboat cruise, it's, you know, it's sitting on the wagons, and you yeah. don't have it. And <laughs> and, and it, there's a funness here where, like, this is the first time he played by the rules, and he won fair and square, and he still gets fucked, and that's, <laughs> he just can't catch a, the fact that he can't catch a break even when he goes straight is, is funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and even then it was still gloss- cheating. Yeah, let's not gloss over the fact that oh, he did stuffed he cheat? that ballot box. I didn't notice box. that he cheated at the at it. Oh yeah, he stuffed like seven more of his own tickets into that little lottery ball. Oh okay, so I guess that then then you know then that's you know an appropriate comeuppance for his for his malfeasance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, nice use of malfeasance. You know me, I'm ready to always plug that word in there and feel feel very good about myself. Rory's ready to plug. <laughs> I'm always ready to plug, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that was this episode. That yeah, was let's a back silly out of here before we talk about Rory's plugs episode. anymore. Let's go. <laughs> hey there, Andy. What's up, my friend Rory? 
Hey, I was hoping you could tell us about our new sponsor this week. I think I might be able to handle that. All right, great. So this week we're sponsored by Extremely Creamy Charles. <laughs> Extremely Creamy Charles? Boy, have you guys met him? Do you know him? I'm familiar. I, I haven't. Austin, you are in for a treat. This man moves like no one I've ever seen before. <laughs> uh, he's a friend of mine from uh, from high school, and Rory knows him because we we you know we crossed a lot of the same circles. Uh, Charles is covered in a layer of very very gross mucus, and it can get up to three inches thick in some places. But the cool thing is that he's kind of turned it into a bit of a superpower. It's like armor from X-Men. It is like that weird character I don't know from X-Men, you nerd. But he decided that he doesn't want cars. He doesn't want to use public transportation. He's just going to cream everywhere. He's going to creamy slide. Wait, did he invent that hip club dance, the creamy slide? (laughs) The creamy slide. No, he doesn't get any royalty checks from that because someone actually saw him and chomped his flavor on that one. And so he's he's really steamed about it. <laughs> Extremely creamy Charles is a really good dude, and if you see him uh, sliding past you on his belly, uh, you know, chuck a few coins at him. They'll get stuck on his goo, and he'll he'll peel those off later and buy himself a nice <laughs> little Coca Cola. He appreciates you just it. See him like skeleton <laughs> luging down like yeah. a residential hill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a real complicated life. Uh, it comes with you know. There's the good side and the bad side of being extremely creamy. <laughs> Tell us about the bad side of being extremely creamy. Because <laughs> everything you've mentioned so far has been all upside. It's just it's just really hard to hold a job when you're so creamy. For, for reasons that should be obvious. Charles, get in my office. <laughs> what have I told you about being so creamy on the workplace? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, he sponsored our podcast just because he wants to spread awareness for the condition that he has, which only he has. It's a very rare condition. And what's uh, the con- what's the name of the condition? Too much cream? <laughs> no, it's got to have a very medical name. I'm sure, probably something like uh, like en- endo endo cream cream titus. Yeah, sounds real. That does sound real. <laughs> Pour one out for Charles. Get creamy tonight for Charles. Get Love it. Creamy. Everybody ready for some Sailor Scouts? I'm so ready. Pump, dog. All right, welcome everybody back to Saturday morning Tuesdays where we watch Sailor Moon episode 34, Ski Bunny Blues, more blues stuff. You know, it's an it's an it's an unquenchable well of comedy. (laughs) You just put blues on the end of something and it's funnier. Like great, it's so good. Saving anyway, Private Ryan Blues. Anybody, anybody want to hear what happened today? Tell me. All right, the Knops goes as follows. The Sailor Scouts decide to take some time off and head up to a ski resort to spend the weekend. Ray and Serena want to enter the Miss Moon Princess Contest. However, it is actually a plot by Malachite to find Sailor Moon and capture the Silver Crystal. When the contest begins, Malachite's monster quickly narrows down her suspects to Serena and Ray and use an avalanche to trap them. While trying to figure out a way to escape, Serena and Ray talk their way through their recent issues. Yeah. This episode had everything I needed. It was pretty good. It had ski tricks. It had Chad. It had delicious <laughs> Chad. That's it. Sweet, That's all wonderful I needed. Chad. And, and then the had, snowman like... tits were a bonus. 
an incredible de demon design. It had some character stuff between Serena and Ray that we desperately needed. Like, yeah, this was just yeah. this was just a good and one all around. Some Ray, some Ray stuff came to light that was really good to hear that the writers just were aware of where it was going and yeah. were on top of it. You know, gave us took some of that nasty taste out of my mouth with the girls hanging out with adult men. Right. Yes. I yeah. I'm I'm fully agreement. I I am fully agreement. You heard me say that the first time and the second. I'm fully time. agreement. I have become one with agreement. I am the <laughs> agreement monster now. <laughs> That's my demon. So, I'm just really nice. I'm, I agree with everyone. Right off the top of the bat, we got to talk about this competition. This incredible <laughs> you mean the competition. The most on the nose. <laughs> the most. Uh, so this this competition is called the Miss Moon Princess Contest. <laughs> and Serena sees a flyer and she's like, "Well, I have to sign up for it." <laughs> you guys can't know. This is this a slam dunk. This would be like a fucking Batman comic where Bruce Wayne hears about a Miss Batman contest and is like, "I'm j I'm going in. I bet I'll win." The villains are that. like, "Oh, he won't be able to resist going to our clearly <laughs> fake contest." Well, hey, to be fair, I feel like it is it is playing at the um now. So the one thing we don't have about Serena is a um unflappably huge ego because it's a sort of classic trap for robin hood right is the archery contest yes sure um but in, we have never we've never seen serena be un, unable to turn down uh you know princess shit well yeah i guess that's fair she 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 is she's uh she's a bit of a bear to honey on that one but um but i meant i meant like winning contests has never been something that i don't know she she doesn't seem like she's she's very ego driven yeah and it's less about like, like, I think, <clears throat> sorry, uh, I think that she does get competitive over the course of this episode just a little bit, but that's probably more in reaction to Ray, who is like totally. all competition. Right. Uh, because, you know, Serena is excited because it's like a moon princess thing and she's going to go participate. And then Ray kind of makes it like a confrontation. And uh, whereas the whole impetus for them going to this ski resort to participate was Serena, when they get there, it's Ray who's pumped up because she wants to one up. Um, yeah. yeah, which 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 is definitely like their dynamic mm -hmm. for sure. And that's true to the, the character stuff that's been happening to them with Darian and like mm -hmm. having that physicalized is really nice because that allows them to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, and as a reminder, we we recently just found out that Darian was, you know, Darian and Serena are the prince and princess and destined to be together, which obviously spells doom for Darian and Ray's kind of half-assed romance that they were having. Right. And Darian is also no currently brainwashed uh, by the bad dudes. And so he's over living his hair. <laughs> it's elect electively brainwashed. Yeah. <laughs> he loves it. It comes and goes. It comes and yeah. Oh, yeah, he's totally brainwashed <laughs> and he's okay with it. Um. Yeah, so this this Moon Princess contest, I don't really understand what it all means because essentially what it looks like is that it's just a ski contest. Just a ski it's just it's a women's ski contest that Yeah. but is called the Miss Moon Princess contest. And yeah. I don't <laughs> I don't know why. The other thing that's weird that I'm trying to understand about this contest is that everybody shows up and acts like this contest has been happening for years. 
Yeah, that's the impression I got as well. Mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. like Chad talks about it existing, like, oh yeah, another year's, and then the <laughs> yeah, yeah, is like, here's that's, last year's winner. Th- and there was a the fun mis- bit too where Chad's like, I go up, I go up, he's got this cabin up there, and he's like, I go up around this time every year, and it's like, yeah, I bet you do, Chad, you salty old Z dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says it's go bottom feeding. I have to go pick up, go pick up the girls who lost the contest, you animal. <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. Oh, God. No, it's like it's funny because the line that they give him there is like he goes up every time every year around this time to practice his drumming, which is really odd (laughs) and out of place because it's just Deke trying to like defend their weird backstory they gave him uh, in the dub. Not being a rock star. Right, no, he is a rock star. He's a he's a rock star, like a rock star down on his luck. But that was never in the original, and so Deke is just still seeding lines trying to justify (laughs) their weird choice. But like, who goes to a ski resort to practice their drumming and only does it once a year? (laughs) That is a terrible idea. It's so fucking weird. But I love Chad enough that I overlook it. Chad's a wonderful little ski bum. Chad and Chad really, I mean. He had my heart already, but he really won. He won. He won it more this episode. He was such a delight. And, um, you know, when it comes to the men stepping in to, like, save the day, they're usually superheroes and, you know, like Darian, you know? Right. Uh, and, um, you know, their, their presence is usually minimal but effective, and Chad was the exact opposite. Like, he keeps trying and trying, even though he has no moon powers like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And right. I found that incredibly endearing. And he kind of just yeah. stumbles and trips his way into... <laughs> yeah, and he, does, he fails every single time. Mm-hmm. He's a yeah. wonderful, wonderful boy. He's great, uh, and we love him. And, and him and Ray... <laughs> Uh, you know, they've had a couple sparks in the past, but it really does sort of seem to be But it's be mostly like... been him hitting on her and, and her rebuking him. And now yeah. it's been a, it was a really nuanced sort of shift uh, mm-hmm. where he's more delightful and less goofy and she's a little more receptive. Yeah. And they're both like obviously practiced skiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, they got a little bit in common in there. Like, like Ray shows up and she instantly like lapses into some kind of crazy ski talk. She shows up and she's like, oh, g- girls, the powder is totally wicked. The pow's Yeah. T- the, she doesn't call it the pow, but she just she about shows up, shows up in her <laughs> Evangelion snowsuit. And oh, like, I love it when you talk about Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're the green and purple colors for Evangelion. Oh, Andy has turned into a snake form. He's reverted to his <laughs> to an he's anime snake, into and he's rattling. <laughs> Andy is sublimated. <laughs> I'm I'm all snake now. <laughs> I've sh- I've shed just, my limbs. Anyway, I just I'm love this snake. anime that I talk about all the time. <laughs> well, Get in the and, Ava, uh, Shinji. Well, fuck you, and uh, we'll move on from that please uh makes me sad may hurt makes me hurt in my downstairs place all of them uh but i didn't come off when you shed your limbs so you're just a snake with a rocking dick (laughs) 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 like snakes have dongs too yeah yeah Yeah, that's the back half that's the bottom part Uh, so the plot important thing here is that uh, to qualify for the Miss Moon Princess contest, they have to uh, successfully go through the double black diamond run, uh, 
which is a terrifying ski run that later we find out, due to popular demand, they've added more jumps to this year, <laughs> which I thought was a fun, <laughs> fun little line. Uh, and she is yeah. just scared shitless. But again, this year, the, like this year, so it wasn't a trap in other years, and it just sounded exactly like the thing that is a trap for Serena. Well, and all the and demons they... this arc get turned back into regular people, so presumably they keep just turning real things into demon things this whole section of episodes. Right. Um, and so they were like, oh, we, well, we found out that there's an ongoing ski competition called the Miss Moon Princess competition, so I guess that's perfect for our trap. <laughs> I don't know, man. And then they're when they're talking, uh, Darian and Malachite are talking to each other about like creating this this wonderful trick. And Darian is like, they're not idiots, Malachite. <laughs> <laughs> they will fall for it. Yeah, no, they and, fall know, for it. Like they like, definitely fall for it. Uh, although oh, also so then bad. Malachite has a great line that he says that you're such an expert, Darian. Which is the exact cadence that Tommy Wiseau has in the room when he's like, you sound like you were the expert, Mark. <laughs> I like that. I like that reference that I you like, made. I like it a lot because that's where I went. Uh, there's a fun little there's a fun little visual scene where uh, the monster is bombing down the hill through this just graveyard of wrecked ski ladies. <laughs> of oh, would-be yes. ski bunnies who have just wiped out on the moguls that she's put down. Oh, man. I had to look that up, by the way. I did not know the ski term mogul. I didn't either. What uh, does that mean? It's like the bumps. little the little bumps little of bumps. snow. It's bumps. <laughs> it's when the mountain's got, the mountain's got chicken pox. <laughs> <laughs> this mountain is sick. Got a case of the mountain pox. Fuck. I, yeah, uh, so the, everyone goes on this ski race, and the demon, who is uh, this lady, whose name is Stormy Kincaid, which is absolutely a porn name. It's gotta be. <laughs> it's um, pretty porny. Yeah. <laughs> Not as porny uh, as their, like, hunkster of a ski instructor we never that all the girls objectify. No, the, the ski instructor that they keep talking about, uh, but we never see. Oh. He's, he's, he's off camera. Yeah, they do call um, him a hunkster, though. They do. Uh, no, but, he's you know he's got the goods. <laughs> but last year's winner, Stormy Kincaid, is the one who's been turned into a demon, and she follows everyone behind them, and she does like a real angry demon scream and makes moguls come up out of the mountain. Uh, and so there's a bunch of unexpected mountain bumps, and everyone but Ray and Serena totally wipe out. Uh, and Ray's because she's very skilled, and Serena, it's because she's careening out of control and has main character powers. Yeah, she's bad at skiing. It's it's with it's one of those it's one of those things. It's believable that she would kind of not be able to control her skis and bomb down oh. the hill. Oh, it yeah. wouldn't really explain why she is in first place. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. Um, I really like seeing again. So I mentioned Chad in this one, uh, and. There's a fun juxtaposition between superheroes who can't ski and a normal person who is very good at skiing, where he really does have, in comparison to them, a superpower that they don't have. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we see him sort of leap to the leap to their rescue and stop the this giant snowball, uh, which uh, doesn't work. He just gets he just gets. Uh, uh, what was the what was the game the the game where you're a ball and the Katamari Katamari Damacy. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he gets he gets he gets scooped up by that snowball. Yeah, That's a good point. 
it is very funny. He just he 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 throws himself bodily at the problem. Uh, he's such a lovable oaf. <laughs> yeah, he's um, very brave. But right around this time, we need to we need to talk about this demon. Yeah, we got to get this Negaverse demon into the picture. Her name is Blizzard. And <laughs> uh, here's the normal things about her. She looks like a lady. Uh, she's got kind of uh, big, crazy blue hair, not unlike uh, Queen Beryl. And uh, and she's got like black leggings on. Everything else about her is insane. It's, it's she's got snowman. giant spikes and like <laughs> snowball tits. It's real. It's real goofy. So she has these friendly, little angry snowman, snowman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the largest <laughs> of the round orbs that c- constitutes a snowman on the bottom, the the snowman's badonk, uh, <laughs> if you will, uh, are her her breasts, uh, and they're 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 sort of jutting out from the bottom outward, uh, mm-hmm. and then she's got little the similar similar snowman as earrings, uh, and then like yeah. a large snowman, like for her belly, I think it's like her hips and pelvis are a snowman's head and that snowman's expression changes when she changes her expression. So sometimes the snowman pelvis has a giant O face and it's like the snowman's mouth. (laughs) 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 I don't know. It's ridiculous. Uh, But I don't know if we painted this picture quite clearly enough for my satisfaction because her boobs, like we said, are giant snowballs, but they're the like. If those are each the bottom of a snowman, her shoulders are the head of that snowman. Yeah. And each of those snowmen have little stick arms with boxing gloves coming out from them, and they have little tiny bucket hats. Yeah. I I don't really... (laughs) I think someone had a really good time doodling and didn't realize that someone was going (laughs) to walk by their desk and take it and turn it into a, a fucking monster. Like... This is just, it's insane. So I love good. this design. It's so it's fucking funny. It's the best. Yeah. It's, that really makes this episode for me. I'm uh, going to have to, like, the image The image for this episode is going to have her in it. Like, I guarantee She's gonna you. She's going to be prominently featured. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm in love with this woman. Uh, this, this crazy, she's got faces, I don't know. Her, yeah. We, we, so we already covered it. Her, her she carves out, like, mouth. an ice trench, basically. Uh, with her with her power, she like splits the ice open and drops Serena and Ray in there, and they're trapped in mm-hmm. there. And yeah, and and they, they they get surrounded by all sides, and then this is where they sort of have their uh, you know, I guess we better confront our friendship moment. And, and Serena is pretty good. It is good. I like it. It feels kind of natural, and it lets them both be like really open and kind to each other for a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, Serena pulls out her her like music box pendant thing that we've seen a few times uh, because it's like a memory of her ancient times with Prince Darian. And <laughs> suddenly she realizes how incredibly tactless it is that she's like, oh, it just makes me really nice to it makes me feel really good to think about Darian, Darian, Darian uh, and realizes that she's being a huge dick to Ray. Right. Um, but Ray yeah. is super cool Oh, I'm sorry. Cool I totally was talking about Darian. I didn't even think about how that you're a person who cares about Darian. <laughs> well, yeah. But so it, it, cool. had the, it had the line that I mentioned at the beginning of the, the section that, that really uh, showed a lot of clarity about the show that I was not confident that it had about itself, where 
she was like, I, I knew he was never into me. I just, you know, whatever. I had a crush. I, I, I liked hanging out with him. Like, whatever. Right. It was, that it wasn't it was a fun super official mutual relationship. And she like, exactly. admits as much. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was good. Um, and and she like doubles down and is like, I promise we're going to go save him. Uh, you and him are totally solid. Like, it's it's just a really cool friendship moment. And if there's anything I didn't like about this episode, it's that I felt like that could have gone farther and not kind of gotten, you know, sort of back to normal at the end. Because, you know, we've had 30 or so episodes since we met Mars, and I could kind of do with them being a little closer, like, in front of their other friends, too. You know, without it just being like a little tiny private moment, and then at the end they're bickering like normal. Uh, Yeah. I kind of wish there was a bit more of like an actual change in their relationship, but maybe I'm asking There might be. There might be moving forward. It's possible. Because uh, I, like I also them. like uh, Ray's suggestion of like, let's just go to the Negaverse and get him. Yeah, which is that something she proposes here, and they don't do that in this episode, but it's on the table now. Uh, which, like our Dungeons and Dragons episode that we that we saw, where they're like, let's just <laughs> go to the villain and like stop Kill him. constantly playing on the back foot. Like, let's just yeah. go and deal with it um and that is also super true to ray's character too where it's like she's you know fiery and brash and like uh you know forward thinking and uh you know so i i enjoyed that on the table as well uh there's also a confusion about they talk about ray not being a princess or it's like Serena, well, you're the princess. Like I'm not a princess. But then yeah, last we episode, we still got that, that thing about all... how they're all princesses. They're like all demi princesses of their, of own, their planets. own planets. So I think that's probably another case of this show sort of making up extra canon on the spot and then not having any sort of like oversight about to keeping continuing it. Yeah. it. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They they fuck up their own canon here, but they don't forget to have Chad mention his rock star status. Like, <laughs> right. like someone's really on top of the Chad backstory, but no one bothers well, it's to keep. Clear that the somebody's definitely straight. on top of Chad. They're the ones advocating. <laughs> like, wait, it's been it's been it's been eight episodes since Chad's been on the show. <laughs> right. Oh man. The last chunk of this episode kind of goes by pretty quickly. Tuxedo Mask shows up like he has in the last couple. And uh, Chad also shows back up to help save the day by... He does. He he has tunneled. He has secret tunnel powers. He has tunneled (laughs) in to save them. Yeah, and he jumps in front of things. And then immediately uh, the the demon just ice breaths him into a popsicle. uh, Which in real life, he'd die. He'd be dead. He he would be dead. But he makes it through because he's Chad. (laughs) He's got that. He's Iron Chat. Uh, <laughs> the only Chad. significant thing that happens with Tuxedo Mask here is that his black rose flashes to red momentarily. Yeah. And he ends up saving them from the demon. Right. Uh, and then and immediately then reverting. Because the, the Sailor Scouts have finally fucking learned their lesson about carrying all the plot stuff on them at all times. Yeah, uh, so they didn't they didn't bring the the imperial crystal to the to the mountain. So he has an invested in interest. Her, in... I thought it was in her wand. Oh, does she actually have it? Yeah, I think. Oh, it's shit. Austin's right. Austin is right. She, because she, my my impression from his lines was like, you know, I'm still going to get that crystal. So that's why I saved your life. But if they had the crystal on him, then he could have taken it off their lifeless corpse. 
I have this feeling maybe because Austin's totally right. I think it did go into her wand. I think that there's sort of an implication that they need her alive to like extract it because it's like fused with her in some weird way mm. because it's yeah. like what awakened her awo- awakened her to her like princessness. Right. So I think I think there's something weird mystical bullshit going on and they need to keep Sailor, uh, Sailor Moon alive. Or um, they just haven't really thought about it and it's <laughs> just a kid show. Yeah, and they're just no, like absolutely. Not, not going to worry about it. All right, you heard uh, it here first. Uh, every every episode discussion, we can just say it's just a kids show and move it's on. It's just a kids show. It's just a kids Damn. show. So who the fuck cares about talking about it? It's just a kids we show. We got a way out. We got a way out. <laughs> uh, the biggest thing for me is that near the end here, uh, when Mars is trying to get uh, get Chad to wake up, she hella kisses that scruffy boy on the cheek, mm-hmm. and it is prolonged. It's yeah. not like it, it's not like a little. It's like a like goddamn. That's a three second yeah. cheeky. I'm yeah, hoping I'm, some... I'm shipping that. I'm shipping that couple. Me too. Yeah, yeah he's grown a lot. I'm I'm here for Chad. <laughs> From the temple boy we met <laughs> to the to the slope master <laughs> <laughs> to the snowman. Yeah, I'm buying stock uh. in the stock, the Chad stock market. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Uh, yeah, let's do the sailor says. Uh, it's pretty easy. It's pretty simple. It's just you know, don't be crazy about competition because nobody likes those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It fucks oh. up friendships. That's that show. How do we like it? I really enjoyed this one. It was so I good. had a great good time. time. Yeah. I had a really good time. I think Another, that... Another, like, exemplary one-off episode. Yeah. They're so good at those. Uh, it, I, uh, it hasn't quite hit me yet that we're... I mean, we're pushing the end of these 40 episodes, right? Like, we've only got... We've got a, a relatively few number of episodes left, and it feels... I thought that we'd be a little bit closer to some resolution by episode 40. Um, like, I know it wasn't the end of the show, but I thought it might be a little more concrete. But it seems like we're going to be well, squarely in the middle of action... It, as far as I can tell. It seems to me like resolving this Darien brainwash and perhaps killing Nephlite and maybe even Queen Beryl, I don't know, is the like end game for this season. Uh, and I don't mind that taking a few more episodes, but it does kind of seem like we're still going to get some like one-offs for a few. Well, yeah, we're still setting stuff up, right? Like we're not resolving Chad stuff. We're kind of, we're still opening up doors and not, you know, and not closing them. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So, you know, they've only got six more episodes to do it. So I'm really interested. Well, I mean, to do it in in this season. Yes. They they knew there was there was more. There was certainly. But like I said, uh, I would still say it is not acting like it's in its final few episodes. Ding dong. Can I come over to Rory's house, please, Rory's mom? No! Hey, hey, Rory, uh, would you like to come out and play and talk about a sponsor that is our sponsor today? I want to come out and play and also tell you about a sponsor. So there's things that we are both of them. Rory, you no, have a friend here! Mother. You Uh-oh. have a friend here at the door! We've upset my witch mom. Rory! Let's get out of here before she makes us eat frogs or whatever witches do. All right, so we're on the run now, and while we're running, you're gonna tell us about <laughs> you're gonna tell us about our new sponsor, uh, Seven Milkmen. Seven Milkmen is the story <laughs> that we've been waiting for for 58 years. Oh my god! 
that was hyper specific, and and I know that that's generally bad comedy. But here's the thing: okay. it happens to be true. It happens to be true. <laughs> In this instance, it has been 58 years. Uh, I don't think it's been 58 years, but it's been a lot. It's been 50 or 60 years. It's been a, it's been some number of years. We we don't know because the milkmen, the foretold milkmen, are a Mayan calendar. So we like you know we we're guesstimating here. It's the old 2012 situation. Seven deadly milkmen. Oh, <laughs> when they'll bring their seven <laughs> brands of milk back from the dark place, from the nether regions of 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 Hades. Now, what are those brands? All right. Well, so there's uh, so there is horse milk. Yuck. Right. No, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then there's also, uh, so then another milk is fish milk. Uh, yuck, no thank you. <laughs> I understand that. Okay, so the first two, survivable milks, right? Sure. I would, most people <laughs> would okay, say well, that. Okay, well, guess what? Because number three is rock milk, and now we're getting into some troublesome territory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds uncomfortable. It's, just, it's very uncomfortable, and he, is, <laughs> he, is, he does not take no for an answer. He is pushy, and he's so full of rocks. You've heard of Sweet Honey in the Rock? No, thank you. Rock milk. This is different. You heard of Finn McCool <laughs> when he squeezed those rocks? Well, you, well, that's this guy. Damn. Damn, son. So, okay. So, rock milk. That's the third deadly milk. Uh, fourth deadly milk is uh, fingernail milk, which is not as bad as rock milk, but it's significantly nastier. That's real nasty. Real nasty. How do you even milk a fingernail? This guy comes in. He's looking like Goldfinger. He's got those nasty old curled-ass fingers. He's got his nails are bloated with milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've, you've seen pictures of people whose nails go all puffy. It's because it's full. Milk them. He's got to put a straw in those bad boys. Uh, so then let's see. Let's see what what other seven deadly. Well, so there's there's extremely extremely creamy milk. The extreme cream. Ooh. <laughs> and that cream rises to the top. That extreme cream. Uh, then there's uh, then there's moon milk, which sounds good, but. Uh, you have to go to the moon to drink it, and then you die. So, like, not <laughs> so like, obviously not great. So, by my count, there ought to be one more milk. <laughs> there ought to be, but he hasn't shown his face. He hasn't shown his face yet. The seventh milkman is nowhere to be seen. It's the milk of mystery. <laughs> it's the mystery of milk. Damn. They always say the unknown is the most scary. Keep your eyes out for one of the. If, if a milkman shows up and doesn't want to tell you what kind of milk he's got, be wary because we're missing the we're missing the most dangerous milkman. Hot damn. Well, I will be ta- having none of those milks. Um, don't, don't, don't accept any strange milkmen in your house, my friends. No, thank you. You say, take your milk, Sage and, take your milk, and walk down the road. Because, like vampire rules, see, they have to be invited in. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, here we go. It's Cyber Six, episode nine. This one is called The Eye. Uh, and full disclosure right up at the top, this episode freaked me out. This was awful, and I loved it. This was um, cool. Just such a cool, weird little episode. Okay, here's the here's the nops. Jose discovered an eyeball creature that grows bigger after draining the consciousness of its victims. He attempts to capture the now out of control eye, but Cyber Six freezes it with a tank of liquid nitrogen, and it is destroyed in an explosion, saving the city. Um, that's a real quick and dirty synopsis of it. <laughs> yeah, that synopsis kind of does the first two minutes and the first last minutes of the episode, but misses the creeping dread of the middle sixteen. It's yeah. like 
like that the whole episode is so unnerving and i just love it it's like some sort of fucked up horror movie mm-hmm. uh i don't know yeah I don't like know. an old like not hammer horror but like you know an old era the blob mm-hmm. or something you know like it feels a lot more uh yeah like a, a classic creature feature and it was really well done like it was the animation was strong the design mm-hmm. was strong it just everything kind of came together for this one yeah uh, so jose is playing like penguin mario uh at his <laughs> castle house and uh he gets a special delivery from have we seen this like weird like goth older brother character before <laughs> no. it's a it's an androgynous henchman that i'm kind of there for but i wish that yeah. they'd been named yeah, I wish they'd been named and I wish we could have gotten more of them in other episodes because I want to I want to care more about them than Jose. Yeah, because yeah. I don't care about Jose. And there's kind of a fun dynamic where later in the episode, Jose's dad, Von Richter, calls uh, that henchman directly to sort of like get info on Jose. And that's a cool dynamic that I wish that we would have more often of like how much he doesn't trust his own son and kind of like mm-hmm. uses the henchman to keep an eye sure. on him. Right. But we never we never do that. And this seems ne- like a person who can actually I mean, they completed their job. They delivered a package. That's more than I think most people can do in Von Richter's entire arsenal is like complete a simple job. Yeah. Finish simple tasks. Uh, and, you know, I just don't know why there isn't a change up in, in leadership. Agreed. But so this, this package. package it it's is a, a striped gray egg. It's a fucking nightmare is what it is. Yeah. This the egg. Okay. Imagine an egg cracking and opening up, even in like the most ridiculous shit that you think about, like you think about Alien, you think about Jurassic Park. It's like a dinosaur, like a live creature that comes out like, you know, gross and slimy or whatever. But I've never seen an egg open up and a perfectly spherical like object is inside the spherical thing that just cracked. And then it's an eyeball and the eyeball opens and floats up. Like, that is just such an unexpected thing to come out of an egg that it really took me in, like, <laughs> yeah, instantly in cool. this episode. And the eye doesn't talk or express emotions or needs no. or wants. It's And and all it does is get bigger every time it spooks people out. Yeah, it kind of looks like a Tangela or a Fry Kid. Uh, mm-hmm. Just kind of floating with, like, a weird shaggy hair. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's not just an eyeball. It's like, a, it's a fully lidded eyeball. So, like, mm-hmm. it can blink. Like, it has, like, a big furry <laughs> skin that is, like, a lid that goes around the whole ball, and it can blink, and it's awful. Yeah, it, an awful floating scrotum with an eyeball is <laughs> the closest we can get. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, Jose's papa wants him to test it out and just see how dope the eyeball is that he made. I thought he was yeah. mad that he had the eyeball. No, he Later gave it he to is. him initially like all right just try it kick the tires a little bit try daddy's new free demo he got at the trade show (laughs) oh okay i thought he stole it all right i'm on i'm on the same page yeah Yeah. no it is confusing later when he's pissed about it but yeah it uses its hypno eye on the fixed idea well no on the first on jose on jose and the other henchmen Mm -hmm. and and it like brain it doesn't like like sucks their soul out basically is what it's not really a a mind control as much as it just kind of drains the person of all active consciousness yeah they appear to have some small amount of motor control left but mostly just zombifies them 
yeah, they they turn into like you know, just sort of like zombie plastic dummies that kind of just yeah, but un- undulate say- around everywhere. <laughs> well, we see them like stand still and they like their heads are all like cocked usually like up at the sky. It's it's pretty pretty creepy looking. Mm-hmm. Their eyes are like wide open. Yeah. Like, oh, God, it's so crazy. Yeah, they don't ah. want anything. They don't hunger for anything. They're not, like, going to attack. They're just sort of rendered inert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But so the, the orb, like, does that. The eye does that. And then one of the fixed ideas didn't, wasn't affected, didn't look at it, which I find very hard to believe that none of the fixed ideas got totally hypnotized because they're, <laughs> yeah, they're dumb idiots. very susceptible to that. Yeah, if we haven't said it in a while, the fixed ideas are uh, a strange name for basically these giant clone thugs. They're yeah. just they're just hulked out clone thugs. Yeah, big um, goons. Big goons. Yeah. But yeah, so he, he like he, bops, he snaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he bops uh, Jose on the head and he shakes it out, shakes it off. And they're like, OK, oh, man, this is great. Then uh, we, we got to go use this. We gotta it go. appears to get stronger as it gets bigger, right? So, like, it bops, it shoots Jose while it's a little baby eyeball, and he, mm-hmm. they're able to kind of, like, snap him out of it. But as it gets bigger, it becomes a more and more problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually really enjoyed the size growth because it's it's not really explicitly stated that it's growing yeah, no, bigger it's just, until it's the just, very it's end. It's a nuanced little thing. It's a subtle yeah. thing that happens that isn't, you're not beaten over the head with until... At some point, you know, another few minutes later, where you start to think, wait, is it? Oh, it's it got bigger now. Yeah. yeah and I like, like that growing unspoken visual development. Well, it kind of it kind of gets at that, like, you know, I mean, H.P. Lovecraft was a racist hack, but like the all of that Cthulhu kind of shit that he created and like. Uh, like the way that all of that stuff is described and sort of like this creeping implacable unknowable horror that just floats above or below where you are and like you can't do anything about it like and they're very scary and they take mm-hmm. your mind coming to and, madness like, and yeah losing yeah. your own like it really does that kind of like otherworldly freaky shit because it's like you can't reason with a giant eyeball that takes your soul it's just gonna take it and float away and nothing changes about its day right like yeah that's scary that's a scary mm-hmm. goddamn enemy. Um, yeah. And Jose, you know, being just a really shitty kid, thinks that he has full control over it. And he's just like, cool, follow me around while we just, you know, rob banks and shit. Uh, <laughs> and he does exactly that the whole uh, the whole episode. Yeah, it's like a kid walking around with a bumblebee on a string. <laughs> I, I It seems like part of, again, talking about the sort of nuance of, of, of how it got out of control uh, is Jose using it on just you know, the street, just the masses in the street rather than being a little bit more uh, uh, judicious about who he zaps with the eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he could have just like held off and used it on the mayor and only the mayor, but instead he uses it on everyone in City Hall and then the mayor and then all the policemen outside the mayor mayor's office and like, you know, goes nuts. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so we get to see Jose basically living out his like the day of the earth stood still fantasy and just yeah. running around doing whatever he wants. It's pretty fun. It yeah, is fun. It works too good. Uh, there's there's a, a a bit of a B plot that we should talk about because I like the uh, yes. foreshadowing. Um, early on in the episode, we see Lucas doing a liquid nitrogen demonstration in his like you know high school chemistry class. Uh, and a I like that because that's like pretty much exactly what we did in my high school chemistry class. It was a really cool liquid nitrogen day. Um, mm-hmm. But the effects of it are pretty cartoony. Yeah, however, it is not however, that effective. 
it is a nice foreshadowing moment because he takes a tennis ball, you know, like a big spherical object, and he puts it in a fuzzy spherical object. Yeah. And he puts it in the liquid nitrogen, he freezes it entirely, and it gets encased in ice, which is very silly. And then he drops it and it shatters. Uh, And it's a little. Which will be how they defeat the eye later. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of on the nose, but I appreciated it because it shows like an intelligence in plotting. That's yeah, kind of basic and level, but that has not really been being demonstrated in the I last don't several think it episodes. Was that on the nose because only because when we see it, we haven't seen that the eye grows yet. You true, know? like true. I didn't put one and one together as until you mentioned it. Uh, that that he basically explains exactly what they do at the end. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I fair figured enough. The nitro was going to be important. I just I thought it was going to be important in the next immediate few minutes, and then when it sure. wasn't, I kind of forgot about it. Right. And so, I mean, I guess my point is just that most of these Cyber 6 episodes for the last, you know, four or five have kind of not been great on the plotting aspect and like the the structure writing wise. And I appreciated that this seemed to have a little bit of a, of a softer touch uh, yeah. for subtlety, mm-hmm. uh, especially when the villain of this episode doesn't speak and we have to just sort of be scared of it visually. Um it just it, it it was definitely a subtle cool episode. I liked it yeah. a lot. Thank yeah. you, yeah. thank you for bringing the A game today, Cyber Six. We were really so, hurting. Uh, Lori, we have Lori's gang again. Lori comes back in this episode, and yeah. uh, they're hanging out as a gang. And initially, I thought <laughs> they might go like steal the liquid nitrogen. And it's like, come on, Lucas, you're showing off like a very powerful <laughs> chemical agent to a notorious, you know. Oh, did uh, you think this was going to be like a, like an attack the block scenario and the thugs were going to go save the day? I don't know. I mean, that's probably cooler than what anything I could have imagined. But <laughs> uh, but I thought, hey, what do you want to go do today? I don't know. Steal some liquid nitrogen from the <laughs> like from the school. Uh, but instead, they get mind warped and they get like blasted by the eye uh, and they become, you know, mindless, uh, googly kids. And they're hanging out in school, and that's when uh, Adrian and Lucas come across Lori and her other gang members. Right. And they're first, like, they find them, and they're like, oh, weird. Uh, These kids are, like, out of it. What's going on? And immediately they think something, like, weird is happening. Realistically, those kids are on drugs, and you should call the hospital. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you should. They absolutely should. should get them to the hospital because they've like overdosed on drugs. If, yeah. You know, you see teenagers in the state that they were in, like that's like call the police if you're being responsible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's odd. It, it's odd that nobody does anything because the next time we see Adrian, it's that he Adrian, of course, being cyber sex. I'm just trying to be nice to people who may not have yeah. <laughs> tuned in for a while. Adrian that's is the, the, the male alter ego of cyber sex. Uh, the next time we see Adrian, he's just wandering the town and we don't know what happened or where he put Lori or what he did. For all we know, he just sort of dropped Lori on the concrete and ran away. Well, uh, Lucas, he left Lucas with, with them. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes me feel a little better. Um, but in the meantime, Jose is running around with an increasingly large eyeball and, uh, the, the eyeball at a certain point develops a new ability which is giant lasers yeah and that does get laser beams really worrisome cool surprise <laughs> cool surprise is one way to put it uh for a very appropriate second jose is really freaked out like oh 
shit. I didn't know it could do that. But then he's right back to just enjoying the fact that he that it's really destructive. Uh, he he's, yeah. he's he does not learn any sort of lesson here. Tis true. Tis true. Yeah, um, that's when Daddy Reichter calls back, <laughs> uh, and he's like, "Hey, yo, my son, I want that eye back. Uh, I want you to return it because I think you're done." And that that goes over about as well as as a wet <laughs> fart. Uh, we get a cool thing. Are we seeing Adrian jumping around as a- as Adrian and not as Cyber Six? Oh yeah, uh, it's, it's not just something like bound in rooftops. Because no, everybody's all whammied. So like, Adrian doesn't have to worry about getting discovered as like being a superhuman, right? Uh, I mean, we 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 as soon as like, uh, she gets to Lucas and Lucas gets like zapped by the eye, and then and then we get the Cyber Six transformation, uh, right after that. Yeah, it's it's kind of a sad moment when when Lucas gets whammied. Uh, a- Adrian's face is incredibly heartbreaking because you know from from the perspective of cyber six like they don't know if it's reversible right and that and that leads to an interesting moment at the end that i wasn't sure we're going to talk about yet or just preface do we want to talk about it go ahead go ahead oh so yeah so we don't know if any of this is reversible and uh there comes a sort of point at the end when the sort of zombie lucas kind of leans in for what could be uh uh, confused as a smooch. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of complicated emotions there where, like, Adrian doesn't want to have never kissed Lucas, but also doesn't want to kiss brain dead Lucas. Yeah. 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 And he's, like, in the midst of, like, kind of regaining consciousness. And, it, and yeah. like, Cyber Six backs away from it, like, a few inches. And then he sort of, like, wobbles back. And then he's, like, there. And he doesn't remember anything about what's been happening. And she just sort of is like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really cool moment. Uh, But it did give me solid, like, romantic blue balls. Like, I was really upset when they didn't kiss. I was like, oh, God. Um, But there is is a a wonderful moment that uh, I, I, I mean, I knew I already liked the episode, but Cyber Six shows up and gets in a big fight and ends up doing the classic kind of like Medusa thing to the eye mm-hmm. and like showing a mirror to it. And right. it causes it to just go berserk and fight back against Jose and go off on its own. And it goes yeah. straight for a fucking football stadium. And I was so ready for that. I was so happy <laughs> they went there. It's so terrifying. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool. And at that point, it was getting huge. And it's just like noiselessly floating above the city, uh, like a quiet city other than this huge stadium because everyone's in there and, you know, they haven't read the news yet. uh, Right. And they haven't, you know, cleared out or anything. So it's like everyone's empty and gone except all the people in this in the stadium. And it's just heading over there quietly. And it's like, yeah, it's chilling. And it is at this point that I kind of realized if left unchecked, Jose could have entirely ended the human race just now. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. if Cyber Six had gotten whammied, if she had just fucked up once and looked at this thing, it would have just slowly panned across the globe and sucked everyone's souls out, and that would be that. That would be that. It'd be done. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like just that, hungry. It's just hungry. It That's so it. so hungry. 
and it want it just wants to get swole. It wants to get hella swole, uh, and so it sucks up all those souls, and it gets as big as like three Goodyear blimps strapped together. Um, okay, but first though, Cyber Six does run into the stadium, and where does she run? To the typing room, <laughs> to the sign room, and she like throws the woman out of the door. The, the jumbotron control center. Right, and she types into the jumbotron screen. Uh, is it just like, please do not look at the eye? Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, hey, what does that mean? And then the eye shows up and everybody immediately looks at the eye and it doesn't work at all. And it's very funny because people are idiots. Yeah, it was very believable. Yeah, people sure are dumb. Like, you can say, please do not look at the eye. And you might get <laughs> Don't some think about rhinoceroses. Like, yeah, it's it's huge. Like, you're going to look I at mean, the eye. To be fair, that means nothing out of nowhere. You're like, what eye? And then some giant thing shows up in the sky. You're going to look up. You're not going to see out of the peripheral vision and know that that's an eyeball. You're going to look at the giant thing in the sky, and then it's too late. You already looked at the eye. I get the sense there's something like a four-second window that you need to, like, stare at that thing. But, (laughs) yeah, everybody failed the test. Um, anyway... The the last action sequence after this, uh, Jose tries to cover it with a giant net, uh, which is animated very well, if I do say so. Uh, that whole net scenario, uh, and then the way the net drapes over the eyeball and like the the four corners of it with giant hooks attached, sort of hang off at different angles, and the eye is trying to float away, and it's very very well done. Um, but like we said earlier. Uh, it is inevitably taken care of when Cyber Six takes a giant canister of liquid nitrogen and freezes the motherfucker. Um, yeah, yeah just it just pours it on like soup. <laughs> a really cold soup. Yeah. Which is uh, bad because you got to heat that soup up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it doesn't need cold soup. <laughs> All right, should we bang on out of here? Should we bang these drums on home? Yeah, I'm sure, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, right now, my only other thought about Cyber Six is that this is on Von Richter at this point. He His his ending line is like, I don't know how many more times you're going to keep screwing up. You and you keep giving it to Jose. Then, like, stop trusting Jose. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what, what speed the arc is going to take. So we're on, again, talking about episode 9 out of 13, right? Yep. And at what point they knew they were only going to get 13 episodes. Because... If this were, if it, if you had known it was going to be a contained thing from the start, we would kind of expect Von Reichter to have shown up and not be a sort of uh, behind the curtain villain, mm-hmm. right? And I think um, I think they expected two seasons. I think probably, uh, and they yeah. did not get it because I'm not I'm not sure we're going to really get a, a a strong resolution with Von Reichter in this season. Yeah, yeah which kind of bums me out, honestly. Yeah, uh, because you know. I like the episodic stuff, but him? it's really hit and miss. Yeah. Uh, on this show, at least. Um, I think so, yeah. And, you know, I mean, because some episodes are that ridiculous gargoyle one, and other other well, ones look, are this. We don't have a lot of goals that we want to see. We want to see Cyber Six and, and Lucas kiss, and otherwise we don't know what anybody else wants or is trying to do. Well, yeah, because yeah, she's just reactive. Like, she's just dealing with whatever shows up, but she's not trying to, like... Is she trying no. to become human? Is she trying to like learn the answers about her past? Is she trying For to, all you know, we know we don't she's just trying to lay low. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know? don't know anything. 
yeah. we know nothing. Uh, yeah. Or is there any, you know, d- does Data 7 want to stay Panther? I mean, of course, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. But no, I would love to have some of those other ongoing questions. I would love to have mm-hmm. some of those running things that feel important when they happen. Yeah, then... just dramatic questions they can ask for an episode. Right. Uh, as opposed to just watch them run around with monsters. Right. Have a monster be a manifestation of something interesting. Yeah, like or what is... Or put them into a precarious, you know, uh, character choice. Do we get to see that reversal where Cyber Six is like, well, why don't I just go to Von Rector's castle? Right. Why totally. don't I just go to him? When is Aside that from the fact happen? that he appears to have invented her, right? That's that's yeah. been the strong implication. Yeah. Right. Uh, we don't really know their relationship, or or e- if there's anything more complicated than that going on with them. Mm-hmm. What her past was like. Yeah. But if she was asking those questions, then it would be more interesting. Mm-hmm. I agree. Anyway, so yeah. Here's to hoping the next four episodes give us a little bit more meat on those bones. We will but see. as an as an episodic piece, this was probably the highlight of the show. Yeah, right of a standalone episode. I yeah, we so. liked this one, and you guys uh, at least very much liked the one with the the giant muck man. I did like the yeah, muck man, but I, like I would say this man. definitely is, is is a stronger episode. This is a step up. I like the birds yeah. too. Uh, yeah, birds. You was know, fun. when it when it takes strong influence from classic horror. Whether yeah. it's Hitchcock or if it's the sort of like Lovecraftian or blob style uh, creature feature in this one, uh, it's really cool. This is the outro. We're doing the outro now. <laughs> this is the end. The end of the episode. I these are my friends. I don't have good rap skills. Um, no, those raps were good. And we they were so good that that's the last thing that gets said. We're done. <laughs> we have peaked, and now it is our time to walk into the sunset like Romeo and Michelle, and got at the end of that high school reunion. <laughs> that's the one you go for. You out of all the possible sunset walks, you choose Romeo and Michelle. Damn, I don't straight. Think that was a, I thought that was a pretty good poll, but I guess fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Do we even remember our old theme? Our new theme is Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is that weird blip in our history where we're bad at podcast, and then you got we we write dramatically write the ship. We come back with our biggest episodes yet, uh, where we talk about the Barn Brothers. Remember that show of uh, people ten years in the future. <laughs> Uh, whatever that's going to be, we talk about the brothers in the barn. Uh, they're connected by their friendship and animals and and we, flesh and flesh. And we just sort of bring it, bring it forward, and we really bring out. And Rory, Rory brings out his iconic line uh, that we'll say for the rest of the show: "Cheese is milk." <laughs> <laughs> is that the end? That's right. That's it. Jesus, Jesus, milk, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you in the future. Well, hey, howdy. Hey there, my friends. What are my buds doing? What are you guys doing, my buds? It's been so long since we've hung out and been friends. What are you you doing today? Are you going to want to hang out? Let's hang out. You want to hang out with us? Go over to Saturday Morning Tuesdays, uh, which is our our website, which is sadamtuesdays.com. Look us up on iTunes, Saturday Morning Tuesdays. Look us up on Facebook, Saturday Morning Tuesdays. 
uh, Instagram and Twitter, Saturday Morning Tuesdays. Just go to that, go to those places and check us out and listen to us and follow us and and just be our friend. Hang out. What are you doing? What are you doing? Next next week we're gonna we're gonna do Cyber Six Episode Ten. We're gonna do Sailor Moon Episode Thirty Five. We're gonna do Moon Mace Episode Eleven. Check them out and watch with us. We're gonna watch them and talk about them. What are, what are you doing?